Those of you who have been here a few weeks know that we're in the middle of a preaching series called God in Me, the Holy Spirit. And it's one that I've been excited about for a long time. And we started it a few weeks ago. Our first week was talking about a lot of the ways that the Holy Spirit is often ignored, or if he's not ignored, he's often misunderstood. And just by way of quick review, I want to walk through a couple of things that we talked about. We talked about that he's not a ghost, he's a spirit. He's not a force, he's a person. And what do we say that meant? If he's not just a force, he's a person, we can what? We can have a relationship with him. And we said, as we looked at the Bible, he's not just any person, he's God. What did that mean? If he's God... We should worship him, absolutely. We also talked about the fact that he lives in every believer, not just a select few as some would like you to believe. So that means we should live every day if we've trusted in Jesus Christ as a temple of the living God. We are temples of the living God if we trusted in him. And last, we talked about how he brings three spiritual realities into our lives. And we, said, we say that humbly because he brings a lot of realities. But as we look at the Bible, and we looked at one verse in particular, 2 Corinthians. If you can pull that up for us, Misty. Ch- uh, chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, it says, He put his spirit in our hearts. And we said we're going to use that word put as sort of an outline for some of this series, some of the realities that he brings into our lives. And tonight we're going to focus on the first one, power. In a couple weeks we'll talk about how he brings unity and then we'll talk about how he brings truth. But tonight we want to zoom in on the power that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives. Anybody excited about that? You know, when I think about power this week, I was telling Mark, Uh, before service tonight, and Matt and uh, Jim's not here, a couple guys on my softball team that Tuesday night, there was some power in the major league. Josh Hamilton of the Texas Rangers had one of the most historic games ever. He hit four home runs in one game. And his fifth at bat, he got a double. Only 15 other players have done that in the 100-plus years that baseball's been around. Aaron told me that, that more pitchers have pitched perfect games. That's where they get 27 outs in a row than have hit that many home runs in a game. That's a lot of power. Now, it was driven home to me in an extra uh, close-to-home kind of way because that same night I was playing D-League softball with our softball team, and I went 0 for 4 <laughs> So while I was going 0 for 4 in D-League softball, Josh Hamilton was hitting four home runs in the major leagues. I thought, wow, that is some, some serious power. And some of you guys have heard this story in a few different ways, but I had to bring it back for this series on the Holy Spirit because it's so appropriate. I want you to imagine if you're at one of those Rangers games and Josh Hamilton says to you, hey, I'm going to give you my jersey, my hat, and my glove, and I want you to go out and play in my place tonight. Some of us, depending on how big of baseball fans we are, might think, hey, that'd be really awesome. I'd love to get in a Major League Baseball game. But we all know that the reality of the matter is that probably 99.9% of us, if not more, would go in there, and we probably wouldn't even have time to move the bat by the time the ball hit the catcher's mitt. And we'd go 0 for 5, right? Most of us. If you're different, you let me know afterwards. That's what I would do. 
But what if Josh Hamilton came to you and said, hey, not only am I going to let you take my spot in the game, I'm actually going to enter into you. And I'm going to give you my reaction time towards that baseball when it comes in. I'm going to give you my wrist swing. I'm going to give you my speed, my agility, my power. Then all of a sudden, you know what? There's a really good shot. You and I might hit four home runs as well. And where I want to go with this idea of the Holy Spirit's power in our lives tonight is that's what God does for us. Because he knows that if, if we were just to trust in Jesus and then go out there and try to face the pitches that the world, the flesh, and the devil throw at us on a daily basis on our own, we go O for the season. We go O for our career. And not just the world, flesh, and the devil. Even the things that God wants us, wants our life to look like. God himself. He knows we cannot possibly do that on our own. We cannot possibly say yes to what he wants for our lives or no to what he does not want in our own power. So he says, you know what? I'm going to enter into you. The Holy Spirit, as God enters into us and gives us the power we need to live the life of Christ that God longs for us to live. Isn't that awesome? And you say, well, what kind of power are we talking about? And you could spend a whole month or two just on the kind of power you see from the Holy Spirit in the Bible. I just want to show you three massive examples of his power. The first one we referred to briefly a couple weeks ago, his power was on display at creation. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That's right after, in the beginning, God created I can't think of many things more powerful than a God who speaks into nothing and creates a universe. Can you? He speaks and stars come to be. One, one of the worship leaders out there, Louis Giglio, I think it is, calls him a star-breathing God because he speaks the word and there's a star. He speaks the word and there's a mountain and there's a planet and there's a universe. And the Holy Spirit was there hovering over the water. Some say that, yeah, that word hover is kind of like a mother hen hovering, sitting over an egg to, to encourage that life to come to be. The Holy Spirit was there at creation. Let's go to another one, his power on display. You know, some of us think we're indispensable. We think the world revolves around us, and we really believe that if we were to somehow be removed, that the lives of everyone around us would just come crashing down, the, the, the world would come crashing down. And while our moving on does cause a lot of pain, that never happens, does it? People move on. The Holy Spirit, I want to show you from this verse, he is indispensable. Listen to what this says. If it were his, that's God's intention and he withdrew his spirit and breath. If he decided, I'm just going to take my spirit away from the planet. Look what it says would happen. All mankind would perish together. And man would return to the dust. You want to talk about someone who is truly indispensable to life? It's the Holy Spirit. He's gone. We're all gone. It would be like an atom bomb went off across the whole planet. He is this mighty sustainer of life. One more. First Peter 3.18 says, Jesus was put to death in the body. That's the cross, right? But made alive 
By who? By the Spirit. So while we know the Father and Son were in the resurrection at work, the Spirit was as well. He is able to reverse death. So we're looking at creation. We're looking at life. We're looking at resurrection power. This is some serious power that we're talking about when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. If you're like me, I love pictures. I love stories. I love symbols that help me grasp something. And God knows that's how a lot of us operate. So he, he filled the Bible with a bunch of pictures of the Holy Spirit's power. You can see we got wine, fire, fruit, wind, clothing, streams of water. And we're going to walk through each of those pictures just real briefly to help us wrap our hearts and our minds and our souls around what does it mean that the Holy Spirit is powerful. I want to start with the first one. It's clothing. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he had some specific instructions for his followers. He told them, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. Who was that? What was the promise? What did he promise his disciples? The Holy Spirit. I'm going to send him, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The picture here is you stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he uses clothing as that picture. And I think of it kind of like, you know, if God were to have a conversation with Stan Lee today. You know, if God were an Avengers fan, which I think he might be. You know, that whole good versus evil thing. God might appreciate the Avengers. He might say to Stan Lee, you know, your whole idea of getting, you know, Iron Man clothing himself with his awesome iron costume, red and gold mask before he goes out there and fights. Your whole idea of Captain America suiting up and grabbing that sweet shield before he goes out to face danger. That's cool. But I was 2,000 years ahead of you, man. See, when I was ready to send my closest followers out into a dangerous mission field, I told them the same thing. You got to get dressed first. Wait there until you're clothed with power from the Holy Spirit. Then go out and be my witnesses. Then tell your friends about Jesus. Then lay your life on the line. And the good news for those of us who have trusted in Jesus tonight is we don't have to wait for that to happen. If you've trusted in Jesus, you have been clothed with power from on high. You have been clothed in the Holy Spirit of God. So you can march out into that world and say, bring it on. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There is nothing you can throw at me, world, flesh, devil, that I'm afraid of because I'm clothed in the Holy Spirit to do the mission that God has given me. I've been clothed with power from on high. Next picture, Misty. The day that was referred to that they were to wait for, the day of Pentecost. They're waiting, they're praying in that upper room. There's suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. And filled the whole house where they were sitting. I grew up in Ohio. I don't know how many of you grew up in the Midwest. Scott, I know you were Kansas. I know that sound of rushing wind when a, when a tornado 
or a storm is coming through, it's, it's unmistakable that, and I can't imagine being there that, morning, that day to hear that violent wind. It says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And I want to look at those two pictures of fire and wind. And fire throughout the Bible is always symbolic of a God who is powerful and a God who is holy. And wind from Jesus' own mouth in John chapter 3 is symbolic of the fact that the Holy Spirit, he goes wherever he wants to go. And he leads us wherever he wants to lead us. So I'm looking at this as an Arizona guy now who's lived in Arizona for a 10 years, a decade, and I've seen a number of wildfires go through. And here's what I'm thinking. If fire's a picture of power and wind is a picture that it goes wherever he wants to go, I'm thinking of wildfire scenarios. What, what happens in a wildfire? Yes, a wildfire takes normal grass, normal wood, and when fire and wind are introduced to that otherwise harmless grass, harmless wood, it allows it to have an explosive, wide impact on our state for miles and miles and miles and acres and acres and acres. And I'm seeing a parallel here. These are normal men and women in this upper room. But when they're combined with the power of the Holy Spirit upon them, They're empowered, they're enabled, just like that normal wood and that normal grass. These normal people are empowered and enabled to make an explosive, wide impact on our world for Jesus Christ, amen? And you saw it right with this first group of people, how quickly it began to spread. And I wonder if we still believe that we have that kind of explosive capability in this room tonight. If we have the Holy Spirit, yes, we're normal people, but we've been empowered by God to make an explosive impact on our world. I hope we're not settling for less than that. Next picture. In a Baptist church, we're going to talk about wine tonight. (laughs) Because Paul does. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery or wild living. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, Paul's using literary form here called parallelism, where there's one line and then there's a line after it, and they both have some things in common. So I want to look at the first line, which says, do not get drunk on wine. Now, what happens when somebody gets drunk on wine or another substance? Huh? Yeah, they get loose and wild. What did you say? They lose their judgment. These are good. This is not what I'm going for for this parallel. These are both true. Nobody's wrong. Huh? That's the word. They are controlled by that substance. Matt told me a story one time. (laughs) He's a paramedic, so he has always got good stories. Thanksgiving and Christmas is never boring at our house. He, He told me of a time he was at the intersection of 89 and 89A. Major traffic area. He wasn't there at first. He was there because their ambulance got a call. But somebody called in and said there was a guy running around in circles in the intersection, banging on people's 
windshields and, and uh, windows. Like a crazed man. So these guys show up, and Matt said he put the guy in the back of the ambulance, and the guy says, you know that spice stuff everybody's talking about? And then the guy starts licking his blanket in the back of the ambulance, Matt told me. He's sitting there. You know that spice stuff? Tell the kids not to do that. <laughs> That's what I did. It's, it really messed you up good. He's in the back of an ambulance doing things that he would never do in his normal state of mind because he's controlled by that substance. The parallel then, instead be filled with the Spirit. Don't be controlled by wine. The parallel here is be controlled by the Spirit. Just like the person who's drunk or on spice will do things unnatural to himself when he's in that state, the person who is controlled by the Spirit will do things that are unnatural in their normal state. And I'm not talking about things like running around in intersections and licking blankets. I am talking about things like, hey God, if you're calling me to give up half of my tax return to help that lady down the street who's in need, okay. Something other people will look at and say, you're nuts, man. Or, okay, God, I'll talk to my boss about Jesus because you've opened this door. Even though I know it may cost me my job, I'll talk to him. Or kids that are in school, maybe even adults in the workplace. I will hang out with that person who's an outcast at school or in the office, regardless of what my friends think, because that's what Jesus would do. We start to do things that naturally we wouldn't do when we're controlled by the Spirit. One other thought on this, this verse here. The idea is not somehow that we can get more of the Spirit. Because we get all the Spirit we're going to get when we're saved. The idea is that He gets more of us as we say yes again and again and again. While His presence, His clothing in our lives never leaves, this feeling can come and go. And we'll talk about how that is in a little bit. This is something we got to hold on to. And we'll talk about how we can get in the way of this process in our lives. Water, streams of living water. If anyone is thirsty, we talked about being thirsty last week. Let him come to me and drink. This is Jesus talking. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given. What do you think of when you think of streams of living water? Refreshment. That's the first image that comes to my mind too. Think of refreshment and I think of power. Niagara Falls. When I hear stream I, and you see them around here. When that snow melts and that water comes rushing down through the mountains. It's, it's rushing fast in many cases. I hear refreshment and I hear power. And I think about this one. I had a professor in Bible college who used to tell us all, listen, whether it's what you learn about the Bible or the blessings, the refreshment that the Holy Spirit brings into your lives, you've all got a choice. You're either going to be a swamp or you're going to be a stream that blesses others. And he said, the choice is this. If, if you want to take everything you're learning and everything God gives to you and sort of hoard it to yourself 
and get proud and think you're better than all the people around you? Think, look at me. And boy, ain't I blessed. But it stops there. He said it won't be long before your life turns into a nasty, stinking swamp covered with algae. But he said, if you make a decision that you're going to be a refreshment to the people around you, you're going to let the Spirit flow through you. You're going to let what you've learned flow through you so that you can bless those around you. Your life will be like this stream of living water that will bless your family, will bless your neighborhood, will bless your coworkers, will bless your friends at church and your missional community. One more picture. It's fruit. Galatians 5, which you're going to hit a little bit more later, so for now we're just going to say there's something known as the fruit of the Spirit. We all know that, the fruit of the Spirit. But Jesus fleshed out this picture a little bit in John 15. He said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And in this picture of the vine, when you combine that with what we know about Galatians 5, for lack of a better way to put it, I see the Holy Spirit almost as that life-giving sap that, that flows from the vine into the branch and enables it to produce fruit. Never do you see a branch that's been broken off of a vine laying on the ground saying, come on, push out a grape. You know, it's kind of like, like my little guy when he's had too many bananas and he's sitting in the corner trying to go. It doesn't happen. It's an exercise in frustration for a branch to try to push out a grape when it's not connected to the vine. Are you going with me? I know that was a little PG-13, especially for those of you who don't have kids. But if you have kids, you know where I'm going. Branches don't produce fruit on their own. They only produce fruit as they're connected to the vine. And another thing about it, that fruit, while the branch is blessed by having that life-giving sap and it has life and blessing in it because it's flowing through it, the fruit itself is a blessing to the owner. It's a blessing to those whom the owner decides to give that fruit to. And so we come back again to the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives, not just to bless us, but so that like Abraham, we could be a blessing to those around us. Now, I want to bring this into today's terms, especially these last two. We've talked about, about water, and we've talked about fruit. Not all of us garden, and not, not all of us hang out around streams. All of us got one of these, right? What is this? It's a hose. And I want, for the rest of this message, to, to use this hose as sort of a metaphor. Because this hose is no good on its own, right? If I just lay this on the ground, can it do anything good for anybody? When is it, what's the only situation in which it can provide benefit to anyone? When it's connected to the source. Yes, and as Jesus said, that source is unlimited in its power. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, is unlimited. But we got to be connected to him. So we can't work up the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. We can only be connected through faith to Jesus. But what I want to tell you is, we can get in the way of that water flowing through us. What's this? 
It's a kink. You ever been out there trying to run water from your spigot to your trees in your front yard and it's not working and you walk around the corner and, well, I got a kink. I've got to get that kink out if the water's going to be a blessing to this tree, right? If it's going to help this tree at all, if it's going to get there. Well, while you and I can't create the Spirit's flow of power in our lives, we can do a lot of things to kink it and keep it from flowing through. And I want to talk about three of those tonight because I don't want this to be all theory for us about the Spirit's power. There's some of us sitting in here that are hearing about power and saying, my life doesn't have any of that power tonight. I feel nothing but weakness and and failure and and I keep doing the same dumb things and, and I'm tired of it. I want some power in my life, but I haven't seen any of that in a long, long time. Well, it could be that the reason is one of these three kinks. The first one we're going to talk about is unconfessed sin. Ephesians 4.30 says it this way. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And the verses around that verse tell us what it is that grieves him, that breaks his heart. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. After where it says, do not grieve him, it says, get rid of all bitterness, all rage and anger, brawling or fighting and slander, along with every form of malice. He's saying all these things grieve the Holy Spirit, and there are more. This is just a sample list. Sin in our lives grieves him, and when we grieve the Holy Spirit, this is what we get in our hose. We get a kink. And he lets us know when he's grieved. But here's the deal. We have a choice at that moment. When we know exactly what's going on in our lives that he wants us to change but we're not willing, that's when we kink up that hose and his power stops flowing. It's almost like we sometimes say to him, oh, I love you, Holy Spirit, and I love your power, but you don't mess with my premarital sex. You don't mess with my drugs. You don't mess with my gossip. You don't mess with my lying. You don't mess with me cheating my taxes. And he says, I hear you saying you love me. I hear you saying you want my power. You'll get it when you're ready to admit that you're wrong on that sin I've been talking to you about. The answer is simple. If he's convicting you about a specific sin in your life, confess it. If you've trusted in Jesus already, if you've trusted in his death on the cross and his resurrection in your place to make you right with God, we still, from time to time, not to save our salvation, but to have that relationship in good order, have to do what 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We close the channels of communication and power with God our Father. He's still our Father. We're still a son or daughter. But until we say, yes, God, you're right, I'm sorry. Help me to walk away from that sin. We got this kink. The moment you do that, that kink is removed. It doesn't have to be two years from now. It can be tonight. The next kink in the hose that we sometimes run into is saying no to God. And the verse that we get this from is in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, which says, do not put out the Spirit's 
fire. I love the way that verse says it because we all know when we've been at those moments where the spirit is burning in our hearts and we know darn well what we need to do. We know we need to speak the name of Jesus in the life of that friend on the spot right there because he's, he's just driving us, you, you feel it inside, he's driving us crazy. Don't say no to what the Holy Spirit's calling you to do. He's calling you to give something to a friend. He's calling you to quit your job and go to another country, to quit your job and go to another place right here that he's tugging you to that pays less because he wants to use you. You name it. If you say no to him, it's like putting out that fire. The solution, like the first one, is simple. Stop saying no. Stop saying no and say, yes, God. Yes, Holy Spirit. I will talk to that person. I will go to that country. I will cross the street and talk to that neighbor. I will go to my wife and say, I'm sorry, or my husband. I will take my role as a parent more seriously. I will, whatever he's been tugging at you to do that you've been saying no to, say yes and open that kink. The last one, depending on yourself. A lot of us start with trust in Jesus and then we look at all of his commands and we just grit our teeth and say, I'm gonna do this in my own power. And like we talked about at the beginning with the baseball game, that's a recipe for going O for the season. The answer is to depend on the Holy Spirit. And he gives us a great metaphor in Galatians 5 for what this depending looks like. Galatians 5.16 says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walking is a great word picture here because by definition, walking is an act of faith. I want you to see something. As I'm walking down, down the street or down, down this aisle here, when, when I lift this foot up and I lean forward, I'm counting, I'm putting all my weight on this foot as I put it down. I'm trusting this foot to hold me up for this next step. It's really a step of faith. So I'm going to trust it and I put all my weight on that and then I do that again and again and again. And as I keep trusting in those feet, I'm walking That's why he uses this picture. This trusting in the Spirit is not a one-time decision where we say, okay, I'll do it your way. It's a moment-by-moment choice that I'm going to depend on you and you alone to give me the power in my marriage, in my neighborhood, wherever you've placed me to be faithful. I'm counting on you. And you say, how do I know if I'm depending on myself or if I'm depending on the Spirit? And I've thought of a couple ways that I've seen in my own life. There's a really good chance I'm depending on myself if I'm worrying a lot about a situation. Jesus said, don't worry. So if I'm ignoring that and worrying anyway, it's kind of saying, I know you said that, but I really don't believe you got this. I got it. So I got to worry if this is going to get handled. That's depending on me. If I'm not sleeping well regularly, and I'm not saying... You're unspiritual if you have a night up. Sometimes God keeps us up and we need to spend time praying and seeking him. But if I'm up and worrying night after night after night and I'm not resting, that's probably a good sign that I'm not walking in the spirit. I'm I'm trusting me. What about 
if I'm ignoring my quiet time? If, if all of a sudden I look over the course of a couple weeks and I haven't prayed for two weeks, or I haven't read my Bible for two weeks, I could tell you till I'm blue in the face, I believe I'm desperately dependent on God. But if I haven't asked him for his help for two weeks, I ain't desperately dependent on him. I am, but I don't realize it. I'm dependent on me and me alone. So signs that we're depending on him, I am praying. I'm desperately praying. I'm, I'm in his word saying, Holy Spirit, show me what I need to know for this. I'm taking radical steps of obedience because I know he's calling me to do them even if it goes against my common sense. Because I'm dependent on him, not this. And it's not to say you shut this off, but there's times we all know where we know what he's calling us to do and we can't figure out how it all works and we got a choice to make. Is my brain my God or is God my God? He gives us lists of what our lives look like if we're dependent on ourselves or depending on him. This is a list of living in the flesh or depending on yourself. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, those are all the sexual sins. You throw pornography, premarital sex, affairs, where your mind goes, the shows you watch that are sexually charged, idolatry, sorcery, Enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. If this characterizes your life, Paul's saying, hey, you're dependent on yourself. You're living on your own strength. In contrast, the fruit that we talked about earlier, there's love, there's joy, there's peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If those things characterize your life, and be pretty sure you're depending on the Spirit to live His life through you. So as we close, I want to drive this home. I want to give you a moment with the Holy Spirit. I'd invite you to close your eyes. The worship team's going to come back up here. And I want you to ask him right now, Holy Spirit, please show me, is there any unconfessed sin in my life? Anything you've been working on me for a while on that I need to agree with you on and lay aside so that your power can flow through me? Is there any area where I'm saying no to you? Anything you want me to do, anywhere you want me to go, that I've been fighting you on. Help me tonight to say yes. And show me, am I trying to do this life in my own power? And if I am, help me to do it through trust in you. There may be someone in this room that hears about depending on the Holy Spirit. And for you, the first step is, hey, I, I need to trust in Jesus. I've never done that. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I believe you died in my place on that cross. You rose again. You paid for my sin because I couldn't. I trust in that and that alone to make me right with God. If you prayed that, we'd love to talk with you. Lord, I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in this room. 
There's probably some kinks that need to come out tonight, some sin that's been held on to for too long, some rebellion against your clear will, some trying to do it on our own, Lord. Help us not to see this as giving up something good by confessing or saying yes or depending on you, but to to see it as grabbing onto that full, powerful, supernatural life you want for us. Sometimes we settle for mediocrity. Lord, help us to say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.